What it do, golf fans? Welcome back to the Turn Darks Golf Podcast. This is Liam. Alongside me is Jack. Jack, we had a great week in golf. Um, well, it was great. I mean, it was an elevated event. Wyndham Clark won. Xander finished second. Rory McIlroy sucks. He doesn't know how to hit a shot. Uh, what did you think of the week? Yeah, well, first off, congratulations to Wyndham Clark. If you followed this podcast, I think I've mentioned his name on 80% of podcasts we've ever recorded. Um, so it's finally he was due in the one week I didn't pick him. Um, this was the first elevated event that felt a touch flat. And the reason I say that is on Sundays, usually you look for Xander Shoffley, Wyndham Clark, Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Adam Scott to be within a shot or two. But yeah. Wyndham Clark just pulled away on Sunday. And it more was like, uh, is he going to lose it versus who's going to win it? On, on the front nine, I think Jay, Justin Thomas made like three birdies in his first like six holes. And so it was it was enticing for a moment. Uh, but I think Justin Thomas ended up shooting five over on the back. And so he never really had like that true chance. But as sad as it sounds, I was really hoping somebody would push Wyndham and just at least make it incredibly enticing down the finish. Um, It didn't happen. Now, again, that's not to say there wasn't a bunch of good names on the top of the leaderboard, but none of them were really within, what, four or five strokes of Wyndham at any point on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, once Wyndham made those um, birdies, and I want to say, don't quote me on the hole, but it was like eight and ten, he got a little bit of that gap, and then he just went 12, 14, 15 on birdies and just kind of slammed the door and just had to par out. Like, you know, bogey on 18 is hilarious, but it was it's nice to see. That was the first time this year that I think we've seen true diehard emotion on the 72nd hole of a winner. Yep. Everybody's been more so celebrating versus like, oh, finally, and just like teary, which was awesome to see. Yeah, no, that was great to see. Um. Yeah, I mean, Quail Hollow was fun. I think 16, 17, and 18 really kind of showed out this year in terms of difficulties. Um, there was a few unfortunate, you know, guys that kind of missed the cut along the way. Um, Jordan Spieth was a was a tough one in terms of FanDuel. I know Jack kind of had a lot on Jordan, um, so that was tough to see. I want to say he shot, what, plus seven on Friday? And uh, actually, now that it's Monday afternoon, I feel like we know a little bit more on why he probably shot that bad. Yeah, for those um, but, who don't know, he did just withdraw due to a wrist injury. At the doctor's advice, he did have, uh, like you had said, six over on Friday's round, uh, yeah. with including three, four, five, six, seven bogeys. Yeah, it was not a uh, not a good Friday from Jordan, and even though he, I think he shot what minus one, minus two on Thursday, so he was in it, uh, but he quickly found his way out of it. Uh, but let's see. I'm trying to think. Anybody else big? Colin, Jason cut? Day. Yeah, Jason Day was the other big one that that uh, was unfortunate, and that was a tough one to see. Yeah, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, Maury. That was a tough one as well. But it, Sam you know, Burns. I don't know. If Burns is a big one for me anymore. But for the field, Shane Lowry too. That's fair. Okay, for the field, I guess he is. So it was an interesting mix um, of guys that kind of missed the cut, but then. You know, guys like Dylan Wu who were sneaking up on leaderboards. There's a few others who were 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 scattered around there within the big names. Um, but Jack, what'd you what, how'd your DraftKings lineup do? We'll just go there. Yeah, well, last week's DraftKings lineup for me was kind of a success. Even though I went five for six on cuts, we only won in double ups and uh 50-50s, lost in the single entries, which is kind of weird. That's really the first time I've seen that happen before. Uh, but we had Homo who finished T8. 
Jade Miscut, Cam Young 59th, Sahith 56th, Keegan Bradley 35, and Dylan Wu 21. So those points got me in like the bottom 10% of the winnings and even 50-50 and double up. So it seems like it was a really competitive week for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I, I could definitely tell on that one because your five or six lineup should have been really, really good in a normal week like this, but it just didn't end up kind of materializing. Yeah, you hate to see it. And unfortunately, sometimes in golf betting, it does happen. Um, I was in a similar boat. I went, I went five for six on DraftKings. Um, I didn't win money in single entries or double ups, um, which you could probably count on one hand a year. The amount of times you'll go five for six on a, uh, on a TFS lineup and not win money, but it happens. And unfortunately I was the casualty this week. Um, so I'm starting, I had Rory T47. I had Homa who finished T8. I had Justin Thomas who finished T14. Keith Mitchell shot T, uh, ended up being T59. He played awful on the weekend. And then Dylan Wu uh, was T21. You know, tough scenes. Should have been good. Unfortunately, it wasn't. It happens. Yep. And then jumping into FanDuel for me, we won in all three with five for six uncuts. So thank goodness there. Um, Spieth being my lone miscut. Then we had Homa T8, MT8, Sarah 56th. Wyndham Clark got the W, huge for the points, and then Dylan Wu 21st. So two two eighths and a win, that should get you money in all three, and luckily it did. Yeah, it kind of it worked out well for you. Again, going five for six on both lineups, that, uh, that can usually help you win some money, especially when you got the winner. Uh, in terms of FanDuel, I went four for six. It wasn't a great week for me on FanDuel. Um, I didn't win a ton of money. I had Rory, T47, Speed who missed the cut, Max Homa, T8. Keith Mitchell, T59, Sam Stevens, T47, and then I had Harry Hall, who missed the cut as well. I took some bets on some lower guys. Two of them hit, two of them missed. It happens. It is what it is. Yeah. So, all right. How'd your bets do, Jack? Yay, the best part of the podcast. Um, yep. Last week was a kind of a weird one for me. Um, 1.25 units up on the week. We had Taylor Moore making the cut, minus 155. the top 40. That was just brutal considering where he was after friday j day top 30 and jordan spieth top 30 were both losses but we had xander shoffley top 20 that was a winner xander shoffley top 20 and ron one scoring that was a plus 255 winner um sung jm top 20 and ron one scoring he made some costly mistakes and missed it by one shot that would have been huge for the program but we also had him as a top 30 winner so 1.25 units up bringing us to 60.74 units up on the year there you go so yeah, Jack's kind of crushing it. Um, for my bets, I I did a little differently this week. I had five bets. Um, I went two for five. It was uh it was interesting. We'll say that for sure. Um, so I started out with Taylor Moore top 40 at plus 100. That was a nice win. Um, I had Keith Mitchell top 40 at minus 120. That was a loss. Again, awful weekend. Um, I did have Keith Mitchell made cut. That was minus 188. That was kind of a bankroll. Uh, you know, filler. So that was a nice win. Jason Day, T30 at plus 105. That was a loss. Then I had Victor Hovland, T30 at minus 130. He was T21 walking onto the 15th T on, on Sunday and then shot four over his last four holes. So uh, that's a pretty quick way to get out of top 30. But unfortunately, that bet kind of fell apart for me. Uh, would have been a bit of a difference between winning money versus not. Um, so on the week I lost 0. 0.46 units. I'm now currently at at negative or minus four units. Um, so I've just kind of floated back down into this middling ground that I seem to 
I seem to find myself at way too frequently for my liking. Uh, but hey, if the uh, the trend holds correct, I should be back up closer to zero here in about five, six weeks. We'll see. Hey, well, next week is a major where you do do your best work the week before. So you might know you might go a couple for a couple and some bets this week. That's the that's the goal. So, all right. Uh, how'd your bets do last week? Or how'd your winners do? Sorry. How'd your winners do? Yeah, winners are pretty good. We had Xander Shoffley finishing in second. And then Alejandro Tosti or Toasty, as we will call him, at T47. Mm. Even though he led a lot of the driving statistics, the irons and the putter just kind of let him down over the course of the week. He's going to always be Toasty for us. Let's not kid ourselves here. Uh, but yeah, T47 for a guy that shouldn't have been in the field outside of the fact that he was a top 10 the previous week. You'll take it. Uh, for my winner's picks, I had Sahith Gala and Cameron Davis. Uh, Sahith was like first page of the leaderboard, I think, to start the week. And then uh, he pulled off the Sahith Gala special. Uh, so he was T- he was T56. Cam Davis was T59. Both made the cut. Both didn't really do anything too special beyond that. Um, so it happens. Yeah. And then how about your wildcard picks? Um, so my wildcard picks, first one was Luke List, top 30, a plus 320. Um, that one didn't work out. He ended up missing the cut pretty bad. The other one was Sam Stevens, top 40 at plus 200. I mean, Jack even wrote it down in here. Like, if he's not playing with Rory in a featured group on Sunday, that's potentially an, you know, one that could have gone through and snuck by. Again, he was, what, T40? Yeah, T47. So it wasn't like he, he missed top 40 by a country mile. So that one could have been a close one. Absolutely. And then my wild card picks was number one was the winner to win by one shot exactly, which was a trend for a couple of tournaments in a row. And it turns out to be a four shot victory, which I'm sure the odds on that were five times what I had down. Yep. Uh, next was Alejandro Tosti beating Emiliano Grillo and Nico Echevarria. Um, that was a loss. Grillo pulled out a tournament out of his rear and came out and finished, I think, top 15. So that one was yep. a hard-fought loss. Yeah, it happens, and that's why they're wild cards. So, all right, let's get to this meh kind of event, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about the Byron Nelson, Jack, but I'm kind of – Usually it's uh, super fun. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't have the same flair and feel this year, maybe because of all the other elevated events around it. Is it because Spieth was true? Well, that too. Yeah, I, I had all I had all these game plans in my in my head with with Jordan, and now those are all kind of fell through. Um, all right, I'll go over some of the details here. Uh, we're going to TPC Craig Ranch in basically Dallas, Texas. Um, it's a par seventy one, totaling seven thousand four hundred yards. Um, it, if you'll notice, last year was a par seventy two. They took one of those really short par fives that everybody was eagling last year, and they turned it into a longer par four. It's going to mean absolutely nothing in terms of the models because everybody was eagling that hole. Um, so just don't even worry about it when it comes to looking in the statistics of the course. Uh, last year's winner was K H Lee. The year before that was also K H Lee. The year before that, this course or this event was not played at TPC Ranch. So the only guy that's won here at that specific course is K.H. Lee. Um, well, over the last... What's K.H. Lee's nickname really quick? Uh, TPC Lee. And what kind of course is this? Uh, this course is a TPC Craig oh, gotcha. Ranch. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there may or may not be a reasoning specifically this week on why he, he kind of got the name TPC Lee. Gotcha, um, it, yeah. It may, it may partially kind of coincide. Um. Of the, of the top 11 finishers last year, six were priced under 7,600 and five were priced at least 9,700. So that could potentially be a strategy on this course. Usually stars and scrubs will fit well. Um, you'll notice it if you look at DraftKings. I mean, I'm not going to hide it. Like 
KH Lee is 9,300. I think anybody above probably 9K could potentially fit that mold this year. And then in terms of below seven, uh, you could maybe throw in 7,600. But I think above that, you start getting a little more interesting. Um, so I think that could be where the model fits this time. Uh, this course is a birdie fest putting contest it's really whatever the hell you want to call it it's 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 a generic golf course that's going to be very easy for pga tour players to get birdies on that's if victor hovland was playing in this event mark him down because it's 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 a resort style for dallas it's yes. not obviously you know that oceanside resort course that everyone wants to refer to but for dallas this is a easier course you're able to have a little more leeway and like you had said the scores might be a little lower compared to the last couple of years just because we're moving that par five but it's still going to be ridiculous in terms of what the numbers are. Yeah. I mean, the winners will go from like minus 26 to like minus 21 or 22. Like it's really not going to change all that much um, in terms of the course fairways are wide open. If you got a bomber, that's not very accurate. This is probably your week to do it. Uh, there's very little rough on the course. And even then it's not that thick. So I wouldn't worry about that. Greens are medium sized. And again, there's just nothing spectacular about this course. It's like, this is what's going to change it outside of maybe, I don't know, ridiculous weather conditions that come through in the next 72 hours. Um, I mean, yeah, that that's really it. That One of the big things about this course is that there are a lot of PGA Tour players that play here that are locals. So a lot of the Dallas locals like to come out and play this course. Some could say it's an advantage. They've played well in the past. Um, KH Lee is technically a Dallas local and he's won here twice. I mean, Scotty's basically a Dallas local. Um, a lot of these top names that are here are locals, and so usually they end up playing well here. Yeah, it would have been nice to see. I think this could have been a fun event for Daniel Berger to uh make his debut for the year back on. Um, I think from what I've heard and what I've seen, he's trending in the right direction to make his return either the week after the PGA or maybe the last week of May. Yeah. I mean, this, th this would have been a fun course. I'm, I'm hoping Berger comes by for some of the not middling, but like middle tier tournaments, maybe towards the end of the season. Hopefully he's got that energy where not everybody else does. Maybe we see him at Charles Schwab. Yeah. Charles Schwab, John Deere, one of the, you know, one or both or all of those ideally. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the goal. Looking over, do you just want to get into the uh, DraftKings lineup here today? Or DraftKings lineup, uh, DraftKings uh, DFS sheet? Yes. Yeah, DFS sheet. Thank you. Words are hard, you know. Hey, listen, it's been a long day, but we are here now. Um, DraftKings DFS lineup starting at pricing. Let's just combine the top two guys. Usually Let's. we combine the 10 and 11K. It is Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, who withdrew, and Terrell Hatton. Um, a 17, or excuse me, $1,800 price gap. Between Scheffler and Hatton, which is the next guy, is it worth the jump here? Yeah, I, I think it could be. Um, in all honesty, so Jordan Spieth was kind of that perfect middle ground, I felt like, for a while. I had him in both lineups. I had him almost as a bet. I was tempted to pick him as a winner's pick. I mean, I was all over Jordan Spieth, Jordan Spieth like a bad smell this week. And unfortunately, he uh, he withdrew because of the injury. But I think in terms of Scotty, it's it's not a bad idea to, if you want to spend the money. I don't I don't blame you. I I'm doing it in one of my lineups. I can't do it in both lineups. Um, unfortunately, on DraftKings, the price point is just a little volatile. Um, I almost think you could go straight into the the next range as opposed to do that. I just don't think there's a big difference in my mind between Hatton and the rest of the guys. 
Whereas I could see the difference with the Scotty Shuffler, but is it $1,800 worth? Yeah, here's the hard thing that comes to me that it's a statistics thing. Um, his worst finish since last November was 12th place. Yeah. So I, I, every time I go back to it, I'm like, dude, this guy's freaking unbelievable. Um, he's averaged in his eight rounds here just over a scoring edge or average of 68. Um, so that's a minimum of 12 under, which is what you're looking at. That's a made cut. And in most seasons where you take away that eagle to birdie ratio, that's going to be some type of a top 20 finish where I think if you're looking at your number one guy, you should definitely fight for a top 20 just based on pricing. I think he's the number one option. And in some cases is worth that $1,800 jump. I will also say that in my DraftKings, I did not get to him. Uh, but in my FanDuel, I did, um, which I know I didn't want to necessarily spoil, but the price gap here for 1800 is just so severe when you take a look at the core guys in some of those nine and high AK or price points. Yeah. And let, and let me just clarify as well here. So on, on FanDuel, uh, Scotty Scheffler is $800 more expensive than, than basically the rest of the grouping. So it's the extra thousand that you're saving along the way that just kind of, I feel like makes a big difference. So maybe if you want to use Scotty, Use my FanDuel. If you don't want to pick Scotty or if you want to get kind of fancy with it, then you can go to DraftKings. But yeah. I and just for reference on what you're saving with that thousand, Steven Yeager is eighty two hundred. Adam Scott's ninety two hundred. So that yeah. jump and player point right there for that thousand is just that's what we're trying to get at when we say he's not necessarily quote unquote worth that additional jump now again if you want to do the stars and scrubs approach which is what i was talking about where last year like the guys under 7600 or at least 9700 i mean scotty's a pretty damn good start because because he's definitely above 9700 uh but again i think that adjustment is going to be slightly different this year in terms of a price point um but i don't i don't hate it if you if you get up to him i think i think you either go up to him or you go to this next range um no no respect to Terrell hatton i think he's going to be just fine on a course like this um uh, but i think this next range right underneath him is is basically 1b to his 1a or i guess 2b to his 2a since scotty's 1 uh well so why don't you just fire it away that exactly yeah so in the 9k range um at the top we're starting with hideki matsuyama on the bottom at nine 9k we're going to matt kuchar i mean jack what do you th what do you think of this range is there anybody in particular that sticks out to you well number one i think and i know this is scary to say for a lot of people just because of what we've heard and seen in japan with his training and his neck is hideki matsuyama yeah i love him as well yeah i think he's going to be Probably for a lot of golfers, they're going to see, or a lot of the casual golf fans, oh, he was in Japan with training. Oh, he hurt his neck. Um, he's tied in his two times here. He's, you know, tied third in his last finish in 2022. That was the most long-winded statement to say that. Um, but he's been killing it this year, even with the neck injury. 16th at the Masters, 15th at Valero, which is in Texas, and 5th at the Players. His last three finishes were just unbelievable. And this price point is actually really cheap for him considering the field. So yeah. I'm taking advantage of that price point, but this whole category is stacked. And I'll jump right into my second guy, which you know I wish I could say Jason Day, but I think it might be a Tom Kim week. So I think everybody thinks it's a Tom Kim week. I mean, when you look at the betting odds, people love Tom Kim this week. They're all over it. And it makes sense. So he's second in the field in strokes gained. Tita Green, 
ball striking and approach. I mean, the the guy has just had all the metrics to fit on a course like this. Just down to the putter. Well, and I, I again on a putting on an effing putting contest type of course, as you know, John Rom said once, it's it. Do I want to pick Tom Kim in that putting contest? And I don't know if I if I want to. I mean, I, I I think he fits the mold. I don't blame you if you go to him. He's in one of my lineups. I'll just say it. Um, but I don't know if I want to loop Tom Kim into maybe everything. Maybe maybe that's what I'll say is like I just wouldn't rely on Tom Kim to be everything for you because usually yeah. that's when he lay, lets us down, and I'm a little worried that there's a lot of expectation on him to do well this week, especially by the general public. I will say in bent grass events, he is – third in strokes gained from T to green. Um, so in all these statistics that we look at, or especially that I look at with the actual grass type, which is super nerdy. Um, yeah. He does look really, really good in this week. And I think he's comfortable here. This is where he made his big debut finishing in the top 20. So yep. this could be a good week to reset. He's had some struggles. He's had some 90th finish or 70th finishes a 20. He just looks like there's just that missing component. And I think this is a course where he's like, Hey, listen, I was good here last year. I was successful, and I think this might be a good Kickstarter. I'm I'm curious, just just out of my own personal curiosity, who do you think is going to have more ownership this week, Tom Kim or KH Lee? Because I Tom think it's Kim. Tom. I think it's Tom Kim, which is wild because KH Lee's gone back to back winners. And he finished top ten last week. But here's the thing about KH Lee: if you're a golf casual fan, where you you're on Saturday and Sunday, you're doing stuff with your kids or you're just hanging out, you're, you know, watching a baseball game, then you turn on the final round to watch the last two hours. You're not going to see 50 shots of KH Lee. You're not going to see the announcers drop KH Lee's name 20 times. And unless you're doing the research, yeah, he won the last two times here, but KH Lee doesn't have that household name that, excuse me, Tom Kim does from the Ryder cup president's cup winning an event FedEx cup playoff. So it's it's hard to say because if you were take a look at a comp, you'd see KH Lee at about 25% ownership over KH, or excuse me, over Tom. Yep. But in these generality um, DFS games, I think that KH Lee is going to be underwhelmed. I'll just say this. So in terms of winners who won the previous year who came back and played in the tournament, outside of injury, which I think has affected it once or twice, there have been two instances where the the winner of last year finished outside of the top 45. So although KH Lee is not, you know, flashy and exciting, he's he's gonna probably play well in a course like this. Like I I could totally see him finish top 20 again and it would not surprise me at all. Yeah, and I think the one thing that um I go back to for Jason Day because I know there's a lot of people like what the heck he's having his career year. Yeah. Whenever you have a guy like that that missed a cut last week, talked about the vertigo and he's just like hey it came back again and i have vertigo myself so i know it can be very difficult both mentally and physically to get back into that 100 concentration but then you go back to and i'm i'm not a huge course history guy until you get to a major um but he says he's one for two on cuts here with a finish outside of top 50 in the time he made the cut here so um i just don't necessarily love the fact that this might be a week he has to fight for a finish, and I just don't think I can get to that. Even though you know I will in some lineups. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't hate J Day. I don't know if I'm going to get to him just based on everybody else around him. I kind of like Siwoo this week. Um, again, he's got absolutely elite iron play. The putter is a true mystery, but that's incredibly streaky, um, and it can be very nice. 
in terms of Texas, he usually plays well. I mean, he was T43 in Wells Fargo. Or no, not Wells Fargo. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Valero, he was T39. Sorry. So he's played well in Texas in the past. He won at Sony this year. We know he's got it in him. There's not any, like, heavy weight on him to do well um, on this, specifically on this course. So I don't hate going to Siwoo. Um, I'll just go through the last two names. I mean, Adam Scott and Kucher are the one guys we missed. I think they're going to be fine. Um, I think they're old heads that are going to be kind of middle of the packs. Um, I know some people are are kind of sneaking an Adam Scott bet in to win, um, which which Jack is fist pumping on, which he kind of likes. So do you want to go over Adam Scott on why you think he's going to do well this week? Yeah, I think he debuted last year at TPC Craig Ranch. He finished, uh, I think, 31st or 32nd. He's just been consistently building and building and building off his game. Um, T5 last week at Quail Hollow. So I think that putting has just been on fire for him the last couple of weeks. And I think he's really going to come through. I think a lot of people will sleep on Matt Kuchar this week. Um, in his last two finishes here, he has two top 20s at Craig Ranch. Um, so I think he's just going to be really, really good there. And a metric that's going to play a lot for strokes gained around the green. He's actually the tour's leader. So there's going to be instances where we're sleeping on guys that might really come through. Yeah, again, I think most of this range is going to be good. Um, in an ideal world, you want two, three, f- potentially four of these guys if you can. Um, and then in my in my world, I want a lot of these guys, and then I'm digging down below 7,500. Help me find some good guys there. Um, all right, 8K range? Yeah, kind of a category that I don't say too often, but I don't see a lot. I, I see more misses than hits. I agree. Um, Seamus Power, 8,900, and then Christian Bez at 8K. There's really only two guys in this category I'm fighting for. I'm curious. Well, I know one of them, and so I won't say that one. I'll say the one for you. Uh, is the other one Jaeger? No, I'll just go oh. off the bat. The first one is Tom Hoagie. Yep, that's um, the one I knew. He is 8,500. If you take a look at his stats um, coming into this event and with the weighted just of the field alone – he is first in good shot percentage, so they just take about the average of proximity. Third in the weighted strokes gained approach. Third or birdie or better percentage. 24th in driving accuracy and 25th in bent grass putting, putting overall. Probably sound like a dirty word. I don't say those. Um, <laughs> but at 8,500, I think this is a week that, I mean, he's just played like the worst golf I've ever seen him play at Heritage but he was trending in the right direction. I think this could be a week that he's underpriced and could overperform what that value might be. Yeah. Heritage is not like a, a Tom Hoagie kind of design course and something as generic as like a Byron Nelson that he can just, you know, like basically whack the ball out there, stay on the planet and then use his iron play to stick it to four feet and make the birdie putt. I mean, that kind of fits the Tom, the Tom Hoagie metric. So I like that play at the 500 as well. I'm with you. I don't, I don't have a ton of names in this 8K range I really like. Um, I didn't hate Steven Yeager. Again, that was my other guy in this range. I just think he's kind of playing like decently. And if you wanted to get to somebody in this low 8K range, he's a good one to get to in terms of course comps. I mean, in, in these types of events, he's played really, really well on. It's more the elevated events and the big grouping fields that he's struggled on. Um, so in a field like this where there's, you know, half a dozen bigger names and then the rest are all kind of middling PGA tour players that could fit well. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm for the most part avoiding this range. Yeah. And then the last guy I had is obviously Bez. 
Um, in the three finishes on the PGA Tour before he went to that ISPS Honda and just crapped the bed. He was 19th, 28th, and 13th. He was just looking really, really good overall. He also placed top 15 here at Craig Ranch um, in the event last year. So I think he has a good course history. I think he's comfortable. He's playing some really good golf. And I like his price at 8K for this. There you go. No, that's, uh, I mean, that makes sense. Again, if it's going to be a putting contest, then Bez has a chance, uh, especially if it's if it's the way described. Absolutely. And then uh, do you have anything else to say? Because, I mean, there's guys in here like Seamus Power, who's 13 for 16 on cuts, top 20 at the Wells Fargo. There's Maverick McNeely, who outside of the shoulder injury was like the second coming of Christ. Taylor Montgomery, who at the first eight weeks of the season couldn't be touched. There's guys in here, Bian Hang An, Minwoo Lee, um, basically after, what would you say, the Honda and maybe the players, he just started to lose his game. There's guys yeah. here. I mean, I mean, I know there are guys here, and and don't get me wrong. I think it could be an interesting play. I mean, Aaron Wise is his first week back after you know coming off of some time for some mental health, but it's just a lot of guys with like small question marks on the back end of them, and I just feel like you can avoid this range. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really trying my hardest to stay out of this range to get up to the nines. And and I'm doing whatever I can to do it. I mean, Monty, he's lost all of his lust. So if, if you want to get back to him and hope that like ever more props to you. Yeah. If you want to get back to him because you think it's going to be avoided and he's going to pull off another top five like he did to start the season, then like I'm here for it. But like that's a very risky play because he hasn't had it as much anymore. I mean, I haven't seen a guy go eagle bogey double birdie so fast in my life like I've seen Monty do it the last few weeks. Uh, Benny on, I mean, again, things like a light switch one week, he'll finish top 15 next, next week. He'll miss the cut by six strokes. Um, Tom Hoagie, we both liked him. Minwoo, he was out for a little while with some, with some health problems as well. I forget what he had, uh, but he was, he was injured for a little bit. So he's coming back. Um, I don't love doing guys. He's like this. He's first couple weeks back after some injury concerns. I mean, Hadwin, again, nothing in particularly sticks out with him in the model, just kind of middle of the road. I don't know if it's I'm not, I'm not fighting to to go pay like eighty four hundred or, or eight thousand or eighty nine hundred for these guys that are, quote unquote, middle of the roads in terms of the models. I would rather dig down and just find cheaper guys. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say about Seamus Power, he has been rocky since basically February where he was just on a monster tear. Here at Craig Ranch, he has a scoring average of 67.5, including a tied for ninth and tied for 17th finish. So I think he's comfortable here, but I think his price point is very elevated compared to the golf he's been playing. So just be careful on the course history models where he's going to be a lot higher than his price point. I mean, he's $400 cheaper than last year's winner. Yeah. At, at that point, just move up 400 bucks and get KH or move up 300 bucks and get Adam Scott. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. If you're if you're comparing Seamus Power to KH Lee or an Adam Scott at this course, it just it's not it's not the four hundred dollars. It's hard. All right. And starting off the seven K range, Jack, we've got Davis Riley at seventy nine hundred, all the way down to oh boy, it's a big grouping of guys at seven K, half of which have already withdrawn. Um on the bottom we have Austin Eckroat at seven thousand. So yeah, who two guys are you liking? Two guys I'm targeting. Number one, Jimmy Walker. I know it's a risky play, but listen to this. In his last four finishes, his worst finish is 25. So 25, 22, 15, and 14. He's been absolutely killing it. I think he's got a rejuvenated energy, spirit. Um, he's just been killing it. He's putting 
arguably as good as Jordan Spieth. Um, and I talk about Jordan Spieth as being one of the best putters of all time. So as long as he can get on these greens, he's going to score and make the cut. Um, so I think that's a really good target. Then you have obviously guys like Harry Hall, who are just tremendous putters. Michael Kim has been on a tear since yep. I think the Honda where he's been killing it. Um, but you also have guys in here like Brandon Wu, who's just been dominating outside of the RBC when we loved him. Um, Justin Suh, who after a tremendous trajectory kind of fell off a little bit, but has been making cuts. Ben Griffin, who is more focused on TikToks and actually putting in work in their range. Like there's guys in this category, Dylan Wu, who have just been killing it. You can get to, but Dylan Wu and Jimmy JJ Walker are my two guys that I think need to get in this category. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jimmy Walker is a prime example of a guy who's, who's got an elite putter and not much else uh, right now. So he, his putter has been kind of carrying him. Uh, he was a top 10 putter the last four weeks he's played. Um, so you're really going to rely on it. And you'll notice with Jack's, I mean, it sounds like Jack's kind of going in a group grouping with, you know, Bez and Jimmy Walker and guys like that. He's really kind of looking at, uh, you know, putters this week bent to really grass. hold through on a bent, yeah, bent grass putters on a putting contest. It makes sense. Um, so that, that it's a little bit of a risky play, but I see where you're coming from with it. Uh, I'm going to start off with Sam Stevens at 7,600. Um, I had him last week. He didn't play elite, but also he was pretty cheap. Uh, same rule applies here as last week, though. Again, not a short course, so he's going to be just fine. He finished second place at Valero in Texas a little over a month ago. Uh, so we know, he's, he know, we know he plays well on courses like this. And again, this is not a short course in the sense at 7,400 yards. Um, so I, sh- I don't see any problems in terms of his fit. Um, so he's a kind of a start. Joseph Bramlett, he kind of fits the metrics pretty well. Um, you know, a bit of a long ball hitter, not too much else to his game, but in a field like this where you can really just kind of hit the ball around and not worry too much about it. It's a good, uh, it's a good choice. Davis Riley was top 10 here last year, but again, that's a, uh, that's an interesting pick. If you get back to him, I mean, you might get a really good Davis Riley. You might get a really bad Davis Riley. Wow. Davis Riley week. Let's see here. Uh, Dylan Wu, uh, Jack mentioned him at 7,400. Again, he hasn't missed a cut since the Amex. So I think that's probably a solid choice. Uh, the guy's been absolutely on it. Uh, Mark Hubbard has been on a bit of a heater recently as well. He missed the cut at Valero. Um, what is that, four weeks ago, five weeks ago now? Um, but outside of that, T11 at RBC, T18 at Mexico, T27 at the Wells Fargo. Guys, guys been kind of bringing it around back to the old Mark Hubbard. We loved the bottom of our lineups last year. So that, that those are all interesting. I think Nate Lashley is potentially my last guy. Same guy, bit of a heater last three weeks. Uh, T30 at RBC Heritage, T39 at Mexico, T27 at Wells Fargo. Um, he played well in like Puerto Rico, which was also a weaker field. It's 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 risky with Nate Lashley, but he kind of fits the metrics in terms of this type of a, uh, a course. Yeah, and then the last guy I'll point out is Andrew Novak. In his last eight events, there's only been one time where he's made the cut. And of that time, every single finish has been inside of the top 50. So at 7K, like we always talk about, you're just hoping for a made cut. This guy's proven that he can make cuts on big stages. Um, so I'm looking forward to maybe sneaking him in in a lineup or maybe even a bet to go through. There you go. Yeah, that's a, that's a made cut bet right there. Um, makes sense. All right, 6K range, Jack. Are we doing some digging? 
Yeah, well, let's start with Hook. I'm Pearson Cootie at 6,900, scrolling all the way down to Bo Van Pelt. Who do you got? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's go to, uh, let's start way down here at 6,300. Jack's guy, so I'm sure he'll do a little bit more about him than I will. Trevor Werblow hasn't missed a cut since the Sony Open, and he's going to be great on a Stars and Scrubs lineup, 6,300. I mean, guy's going to be just fine. Uh, the other guy I'll mention, I want to say he was at 66, but I can't find him. Tano Goya, um, that's another one. Guy that's probably just going to make a cut and not do anything else too fancy. Uh, Carson Young, I know he missed the cut last week, but this is kind of how Carson Young is. Every once in a while, he'll miss a cut. Other than that, he'll be a top 30 guy. So you're hoping that he just has the bounce back after the missed cut last week. Um, those are really the three that that strongly stick out in my head. I mean, there's a few guys like Aaron Badley, who's Jack's guy. He makes lots of cuts. Um, I had him in my lineup initially before I had to change it, but it, I'm doing my best to avoid that outside of these few guys I've already mentioned because this this could be a very interesting range otherwise. Yeah, I think there's a couple of guys like you mentioned. Um, number one was Trevor Werblow. He's been killing it, so I won't go over too much information about him. You take a look at um, Aaron Baddeley, who I was going to talk about, just a cut machine. That's all you're really hoping for. I don't, I don't know why, like you could put him in a PGA championship. He's going to be 6,800. You'd put him in a corn ferry, 6,800. You put him in a high school golf event. He's going to be 6,800. I don't get it, but he's making cuts. The only other guy that we didn't hit on is Ryan Gerard. outside of last week. He's just made some cuts and had some really good finishes. Um, then you take a look at David McLusey, who on the world tour in his last three starts has been all top 20, I think 25. So he's a guy that you might see on DraftKings or FanDuel, and it might say zero for zero just because he's played nothing on the PGA Tour. Um, but just look out for him because he's been killing it. Uh, another guy that you could probably sneak in as a flyer, it's stupid if you look at his finishes, but it's Satoshi Kodaira. Yeah. He was on a tear in terms of number one amateur in the world. He comes to the PGA Tour as a couple good finishes and then just starts sucking. He has a chance here. He could do it. I'm not advertising to go for it but it doesn't you might have a lineup where you just have to go for it and pick some of these flyers and that might be a guy i go after yeah that's uh again i looked at satoshi and i thought about it but i i think in terms of the 6k range he was like fifth or sixth guy on my list in this range and at that point i'm not really getting to him uh i did notice there's both cootie brothers that are playing that's a redemption baby yeah, I mean, let's let's be incredibly clear here. You don't want Parker. You want you want Pearson. <laughs> based yeah. on based on finishes. It's not uh, like the Hoyard brothers. You want you want Pearson here. <laughs> yes. I mean, I all of a sudden I looked, I was like, oh, Parker's playing. And then I looked at his recent finishes. Miscut T52, miscut, 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 miscut. And that was all in the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh that doesn't even account for any of the actual PGA tour events. So if he wins, I'll shave my head. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a game plan. All right, we hit we heard it here first. Um, all right, Jack, let's uh let's get into DraftKings. What do you got for your lineup? We've given some uh some teasers away so far, so I'm curious on what you got. Yeah, so first name on the list is Hideki Matsuyama 9800. I'm just riding the heater, and I think he might be a little bit undervalued in terms of what his price can be. Um, I have Tom Kim 9600, Jason Day 9400, and then I have three. I'm just hoping for made cuts, even though that didn't necessarily work last week. Um, but Michael Kim, 7,500, Dylan Wu, 7,400, and then Trevor Werblow, 6,300. It's a very interesting DraftKings lineup. I'm looking at it now. Jack and I have uh, almost identical lineups, if you kind of look at it. I mean, we are 
we have two di two differences and they're a price point of a hundred dollars a piece off um so for DraftKings, i'm starting off with hideki matsuyama nine thousand eight hundred um second give me tom kim at nine thousand six hundred third give me kh lee at nine thousand three hundred uh fourth give me sam stevens at seven thousand six hundred Fifth, give me Dylan Wu at 7,400. And sixth, give me Trevor Werblow at 6,300. And I will say, just for the heck of it, I did make a lineup with Scotty Scheffler. So if you wanted to jump to that high price point, I'm not doing it, but this is what you can do. So with Scotty Scheffler, 11,900. Tom Kim, 9,600. Tom Hoagie, 8,500. Jimmy Walker, 7,100. Tano Goya, 6,600. And then Trevor Werblow, 6,300. That stars and freaking flyers lineup. Um, it, I don't hate it. Um, I just feel more confident in the top three guys I have um, in the normal DraftKings this week. Yikes! Yeah, I'm trying to work on it. It's uh, it's brutal right now. I mean, this is a, this is a tough one to work on. So, all right, let's get into Fanduel, and I'm going to see if I can come up with a with a with any interesting of a lineup for this uh, for this Scotty grouping. Yeah, well, my Fanduel lineup does start with Scotty Scheffler at twelve thousand four hundred. Next, I'm jumping to Jason Day, 11,500. Hideki Matsuyama, 11,300. Christian Bezadenhut, 9,700. Andrew Novak, 7,900. And then Trevor Werblow, 7K. There you go. Uh, we're a little different in terms of FanDuel. For FanDuel, I've got Scotty Scheffler at 12,400. Hideki Matsuyama at 11,300. KH Lee at 11,000. Siwoo Kim at 10,600. Tano Goya at 7,500 and Trevor Werblow at 7,000. I like it. And then we are going to jump to everybody named Jack's favorite portion of the week. It is bets. I will just label it out. We're going into a major next week. I just wanted to go with a bankroll builder type of week. So a lot of these bets are going to be on the safer side. Number one, Brandon Wu to make the cut is minus 200. I know a lot of people are like minus 200. You put a hundred bucks, you get 50 back you know, half a unit, call it a day. Justin saw to make the cut minus 200. Michael Kim to make the cut minus 180. I think you can see where this trend is going. Hideki Matsuyama top 30 is minus 130. Adam Scott top 30 plus 105. Scotty Scheffler top 20 and Ron one scoring is plus 145. Tom Hoagie top 40 plus 105. Don't understand that one. And then Tom Kim, top 30, minus 140. There you go. Yeah, that's an interesting grouping. Again, Jack's going for that bankroll builder prior to the PGA. He really wants to, to wind up and get to 75 units so that we can blow it all next week on the... Uh... No, we're not doing the uh, unit a bet. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was only at Augusta. Sorry to disappoint everybody. Uh, in terms of bets this week, I've got four bets. Uh, one safe one. Eh, safe one. Um, and then three that are right around even. Um, I have Tom Kim top 20 at plus 100. I have Sam Stevens made cut at minus 200. I have Siwoo Kim top 30 at plus 115. And I have Hideki Matsuyama top 20 at plus 125. Yeah, I think um, the Hideki one, I think we have a lot of the same bets. I went with a little safer route um, yes. just because I want to get the bankroll builder. Now you're trying to climb to get that value. Um, so I think that we both have the same idea and I fingers crossed we make some money going to the PGA because I'm ready to drop a coin like you can't believe. I mean, that's the goal. Ideally, if I if I'm going three for four, then I'm gonna feel a little better about myself. But I think short of that, I'm gonna be slightly disappointed. 
true that and uh let's go ahead with our wild cards what do you got all right so i have uh because we have them all across the board i figured why not go go a little wild and crazy on it uh trevor werblow top 20 is plus 1000 so again guy makes cuts all the time so he's gonna be if he's gonna be there on the weekend you know he has one good day of 64 65 hopefully and he sneaks in t19 call it a win uh my other one is gonna be tyler duncan which i didn't even really talk about him too much uh top 20 he was not playing well but he's seventh in the field and birdies are better gained and he's 10th in opportunities as well again it's going to be a birdie fest so you want somebody that's like half decent when it comes to those metrics uh his top 20 odds were plus 450 nice well that was a they are called wild card picks for a reason <laughs> i mean i can't wild card like tom hoagie and like hideki like everybody knows those guys you gotta you gotta throw out some true wild true wild cards on that one you could. Um, my first one is Jimmy Walker to finish top 20 and Scotty Fish. Well, well, Scotty Scheffler to finish top 10 in a parlay. That is plus six, six, six. Um, you do with that what you wish. And then Christian Bazaden, who top 20 and Ron one scoring is plus 850. If that putter gets hot, I can see him sneaking in at around 17th or 18th after the first uh, whistle blows for the weather. Um, so or nighttime. I know there's always an issue here. Um, so that, that, I, I, I hate to say it. I almost put that as a bet. Yeah. I mean, that, that would have been a wild one in terms of plus eight fifty. Um, I did look through, I was able to make a lineup on DraftKings, and it is truly a stars and scrubs approach. Um, but I don't hate it as funny as it sounds. Um, so I had Scotty Scheffler at 11,900. I have KH Lee at 9,300. I have Siwoo Kim at 9,100. I have Aaron Badley at 6,800. I uh, Tano Goya at 6,600 and I have Trevor, Trevor Werblow at 6,300. So I have basically three guys at the top of the field and three guys arguably at the bottom of the field, but as wild as it sounds, I don't hate it. It's, it's tempting. I'm going to, I'm going to keep tracks on it, uh, for next week because it could be a very interesting, uh, interesting lineup. Enter one of those free lineups. Exactly. Um, so that'll probably end up being my game plan. So, all right, let's get to winners. Who do you got for winners this week, Jack? Well, first one, um, it should say Adam Scott. Um, I am following the trend of every other golf. Basically, every time I go on Twitter, I just see Adam Scott popping up for whatever reason. I don't know why he just continuously pops up. I was just looking for a trend play, and he's looking really, really consistent. Um, You take a look at his finishes, 10 for 10 on cuts. Fifth at the Wells Fargo, he just continues to trend up from the players. Um, looked really good at the Masters when obviously the weather wasn't really good. RBC, um, I just really like him this week. And then Christian Bezaden, who, um, that's just my guy. I like watching him. I like saying his name. So those are my two picks. Yeah, there you go. Um, I I liked Adam Scott, but I had already used uh, I had already used him. So I, it's not like I can get to Adam Scott at all. Um, in terms of my winners, I'm I'm going back to KH Lee again. I don't know if he's gonna win this a third time. But, like, when are you really going to go back to KH Lee? Like, res- respectfully. Deer run. Sure, I guess. Yeah, you can get to him at Deer Run, but you could also get to, I don't know, a dozen other guys that are in the same realm as him at Deer Run um, that don't have the same effect on this course. Um, so I'm going to go to KH Lee here, and then I'm also going to do Siwoo Kim. So I haven't used Siwoo Kim yet. Um, again, weaker field. His irons are going to be great. I think he could definitely do well in a birdie fest like this, and he has that streaky putter which could really kind of uh, make it enticing for him this week. So I think he's got a decent chance. Cool. Well, that 
are the picks for this week um, going to be obviously not as hyped of an event before you get to a major. It's the downside of a lot of these elevated events and then majors stuck in between. But there's going to be a lot of trends and a lot of guys either fighting their way in or working on some part of their game before the actual player, or excuse me, the PGA. So just be on the lookout uh, where we go to Rochester, New York, where JT is defending the title. Yeah, keep an eye out. Jack's been kind of crushing it on social media recently, uh, trying to update everybody on all the bets and things like that. He's got these fancy new graphics that all the cool kids use, I guess. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. He's been posting those quite frequently. Just go ahead and search Turn Dog Golf Pod on any social media of your choice, and you'll find it. There you go. You'll find us. Um, so we'll leave you at that. Again, we're excited for next week on the PGA Championship. We just kind of got to push through this, but uh, by, uh, Byron Nelson, it's it's going to be a mech week, but we're going to get through it, and then next week's going to be better. So let's go out there. Let's win some money, and we'll see you next week. Deuces.